just in case you didn't get enough football on Saturday, we're here to bring you more. It's our Sunday morning tailgate show, presented by Frickers, right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. All right, good Sunday morning, everyone. It's our Sunday morning tailgate show, right here on ESPN 1410, Wing AM, live from Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall. Justin Kinner, Keith Byers with you here, and a voice that might be familiar. Who are you? I'm only here for the pop. You're only here <laughs> Oh, the pop of all things, the pop. Oh. Uh-oh, you want to help well, me? Well, I didn't know you might Gilligan over here was coming back today. You might want to remember. <laughs> you got the headset on, huh? You see your... I think I finally got it You on. left your mind on the cruise, right? Yes, uh, it's still cruising. How about that? We welcome you back. We got a full staff today. How about that? Uh, again, Justin Kinner, I got my voice back today. How about that? You're lucky. I was... You're calling that a voice? I was... I was well, it's... It's the voice compared to better, Tuesday. Compared, yeah. yeah, I was spreading the coronavirus around the, oh the office this week. So, uh, but I uh, seem to be doing there was a little some better. Coronavirus going on in that cruise too. No kidding. <laughs> you want to get your drink? Yeah, she's looking for your drink order now. Uh, agua, and, agua and a Pepsi. Oh, look, that's that, that's that cruise. That's that cruise that. <laughs> Keith Byers coming back from that uh, the Buckeye cruise for cancer, which was really cool seeing all the, the notes coming out of that. Your goal was $3 million. You guys raised $4 million, the most ever that you've raised yeah, on that 4. cruise. Yeah, $4.2 I mean, it was just unbelievable. You know, the generosity, you know, of Buckeye Nation. People, you know, uh, looking out for one another. You know, they, they could have called the love, the love, the love boat. <laughs> there was so much love going on on, on the, you know, on the cruise. You know, I was on the Buckeye cruise for cancer uh, this past week, and they think this year thirteen. It's my third time on it, and it's just unbelievable uh, how much has grown over the, uh, the 13 years, and uh, it's for a very worthy cause, and I was glad to be a part of it, and uh, it's just unbelievable. I'm looking forward to next year already. Next yeah. year, I already got the dates. Um, this year, we went to uh, Bahamas. It was in Nassau and the private island, Coco Cay. And next year we're going to Labadee, which is in Haiti and Jamaica. Not so bad. Look forward to that. Now, so again, it's all former Buckeyes uh, that are on this. I mean, all, but yeah, I mean that's the the centerpiece of it. You had Zeke. Uh, I mean, you, and I you saw, had what, five, five, six generations. Yeah. I mean, Buckeyes is early from the '60s. Was Rex Kern? I think he was the oldest current. I mean, oldest former Buckeye yeah. there, uh, all the way up to uh, Terry McLaurin. Paris Campbell with Johnny Dixon. That's cool. I saw <laughs> so, you were on a panel with uh, Bobby Carpenter and and some others. Yeah, Kurt Herbstreit, myself, Bobby Carpenter, Dustin Fox, and uh, Shucks. Who else is sitting there? I, I saw the I picture, remember. and I know I know what you're. I'm like I know I had the, all the names in my head. I lost them. But that, that no, just seemed Mark like a, you, the, uh, okay. The Buckeyes uh, recruiting coordinator. Not bad, not bad. So that's that's really neat, though. And again, we welcome you back, and glad you had a good time. And I did. I only have about sixty percent of my voice. Uh, which is up from 30 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> is it cold here for you? Not too bad. Not Damn, too, I was hoping you'd be freezing bad. after all those pictures I saw. It was, it was uh, unbelievable. We were living vicariously through you this past week, I'm yeah. telling you. Yes. So. Yes, but like I said, Zeke Elliott was on there. No fun playing uh, poker with Zeke Elliott. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the good thing they had a max on the table. You know, how do you, how do you play poker where the guy's got ninety million dollars? <laughs> it's called nothing to lose. You fold a lot. You fold a lot. Called, he's able to go all in a lot more than most people. I know, but I was way. proud of my wife. My wife, you know, I said we're not going to have double money on the table, honey. Uh-uh. So she sat down and played. She was at the table of ten, and the only female. And Zeke's at the table, so she had pocket aces and went all in. 
And Zeke had nothing, but he's like, I'll call you. Like, what are you calling for? <laughs> I just got to make you earn it. <laughs> like, okay. And well, she wasn't at him. <laughs> I think it was last year. She had a picture. Monica had a picture with him and Zeke. And she said, I'm with my favorite Buckeye running back. And people underneath were commenting, like, hold up. We need to know who exactly your favorite Buckeye running yeah. back is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I mean, it, it's almost gonna be starting to turn into almost a, a Buckeye reunion of sorts. You know, let's meet on the boat. You know, JT Barrett. Uh, we had a lot of fun, you know, with him, Ryan Shazier, uh, just, you know, a lot, lot of fun. So it's almost like all the families get together. Even a lot of players bring their parents, mm-hmm. you know, on there. So Zeke had his mother and father on there, Ryan Shazier, uh, parents there, uh, Johnny, I mean, not, I mean, not Johnny Dixon, uh, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. <laughs> Paris Campbell, yeah. So it's quite a few parents like they they look for it. So almost, you know, the parents we have our group. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I hung out just as much with uh, Ryan Shazier's, you know, uh, people than I did with Ryan. You know, so it was. It was How's good. he doing? He's doing good, really good. I mean, um, he's you know walking around, you know, on, on the cruise ship, you know, all the different elevations and going up and downstairs. So he was you know walking pretty good. I mean. At one point, he is. So they put my knee brace on for a little bit more stability, but I'm fine. You know, uh, we docked in Nassau. Uh, he had the stroller, and he had his son on it. <laughs> so he got off, and so he's walking the streets in uh, Nassau. So he's 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 really really improving. You know, from uh, because we all know where he started, where he's coming from, and you know, people coming up to him, man. You know, you're just a miracle, man. We just want to thank you. How old is Rex Brown now? He's got to be one eighties. You said he was the oldest one, right? On yeah, the no, he was not that old. Sixty-eight. Well, he was a sophomore in college at sixty-eight, so that'd be what twenty. Well, it depends. I mean, what software? Because I had multiple software yeah, I mean, years. So yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's eighteen, nineteen. That's still. But yeah, yeah. Years, yeah. At fifty more. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're kind of, he's in the seventies at least. He playing shuffleboard. He didn't play anything else. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, again, we welcome you here. We're live at Frickers on seven forty one by the Dayton Mall. It's our Sunday morning tailgate show. Justin Kinner, Mark Schlemmer, former Buckeye Keith Byers, with you here on this Sunday morning. We got a lot to get into. How about Wilder Fury two last night? That was my first boxing match that I, I watched that I, I was sucked in from the hype all week leading into it. I'm not a big boxing guy. I said that on the air on Friday. I said, I'm not going to come on the air and, and pretend to be this boxing aficionado. I was honest. I said, I, I don't really know anything about boxing. and I'm not going to know the proper lingo or anything like that. I said, but I go, I'm intrigued by this. And I go, this could be what I think I'm the type of fan that boxing was targeting with this because they're trying to get the non-fan to buy in to return for fights down the road. I mean, you're going to have your boxing fans that tune in no matter what. But that last night was something else between the showmanship, the build, the hype, the star power, the celebrities that were in attendance. It's what you always get at these events. But there was just something special about last night and what a well, fight it was. It was. Uh, I mean, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more on my show tomorrow. I'm going to keep show a quick plug. Tomorrow <laughs> 12. Uh, but... I liked all the pomp and circumstances and all the hoopla and and the, and, and the drama that leads up to it. Cause you want to see, you know, especially you know, I think I always felt that boxing was always dependent on the heavyweights. You know, the heavyweights drive boxing, not the lightweights and the middleweights and the welterweights. Yeah, They're one of the great. prelims had a guy that was 122, and I'm like, I could squash this guy, not really, but I'm I weigh twice as much as he does. Well, Mayweather's <laughs> been the only drawing card yeah. since our days of Frazier, Ali, Foreman, and all the good ones. Well, I mean, Sugar Ray, but yeah. it, it I mean, was Tyson, Hearns. Yeah, yeah but it, but even in their days, when, when Sugar Ray, it was we had heavyweights that was still was marketable. 
you know, when uh, Sugar Ray was doing his things in the mid to late 70s or 80s, he still had Larry Holmes. <laughs> you know, Ali was going to the end, Larry Holmes, uh, you know, the foreman. Just, it was just such a lull, and I've never in my lifetime, say for the last five, six, seven, eight, ten years, I couldn't just totally quickly tell you who the heavyweight champion was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the world. Like, well, who's the heavyweight champion? How many heavyweights do they have? Four, five? I don't, I don't even know. Who's about eight champion. belts. Well, how many, well, that's not how watered down it was. Because after Fury won last night, he has two belts, and I'm trying to figure out what the other belt was. Well, well that was WBC, Tyson. Wasn't it? It's WBC, WBA. and yep. what's the other one? War boxing. Uh, B O B A B C, A B C. Yeah. So now he's the the Tyson Fury had the linear, mm -hmm. which you know the, the one the same belt that Muhammad Ali had. That's Jack Johnson, Rocky yeah. Dempson, Dempson, <laughs> Dempsey. All of those guys. That belt. That's what Tyson Fury had coming in, and he left, and he said. Um, uh, Wilder, give me yours too. So now the, you totally have total unification. It's only one heavyweight champion. Right Will now. you see a rematch again? Yeah. I don't know who else is yeah. out there on the horizon that would draw. You, you would, but but I was, that's what I'm saying. I liked everything up until the fight, but when the fight started, where was the talent? Where's the boxing skills? Well, and by the way, the it was, guy that it wasn't there. The guy that dominated is the guy that everyone said didn't have a chance. I mean, everyone I talked to, I mean, you look at the betting lines, everything. I mean, you're, the money was you had to go with, with, not Fury, but with Wilder. I mean, Wilder was supposed, I mean, and by the way, my favorite, the lead up to the fight was they kept kind of showing clips in the, in the locker room and the backstage area of both getting ready. And Wilder is locked in. I mean, he is taped up. He's ready to go. I mean, the most mean scowls you can imagine. I mean, everyone's like, oh, you know, I mean, he's going to knock this dude out. And then you have Fury. He's sitting there. He's doing these weird sexual gestures to the camera. He's laughing. He's joking. I mean, he, you know, he has all his family and friends in with him. I mean, it's, it almost looked like he was screwing around. And I'm like, man, you have one guy that is so locked in and zeroed in and ready to go for this bout. And then you have another guy that's like, oh, I'm just here to get my $110 million and we'll move on from this. And then the fight started, and it's, it was just funny seeing such different contrasting well, well, personalities. I think it's funny only because we're not used to seeing pregame locker room. Yep. Like how, you know, I mean, how I mean, you know, in a locker before a game, fans would probably say, "Oh, look at Keith over there laughing, screwing around before a game. He's not locked in and ready to go today." And then you go out and bust someone in the mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just funny. I mean, football's different than boxing. Baseball's different than boxing. What's Everything's a game different. face? What is the game face? Is it Bob Knight thing? This game right. face is funny. Yours, mine, yeah. You know. So, but I've always felt like in a locker room, do how you how you normally act. The closer we get to Kickoff, okay, it's less laughing and joking around, and you probably even saw that out of Tyson Fury. The closer it came to time to get into the round, into the ring, it's time to, you know, tone it down and somewhat, you know, if you will, get in, put your game face on. But I just like guys, you know, to just be natural. However, whatever it takes to get you fired up to play the game on game day, you know, do that. So Tyson Fury's, he was more jovial. Whereas uh, Wilder was, you know, more serious. You go into a locker room with 53 guys, you're going to see, you know, 53 different personalities. Everybody has their own ritual. And when you're a boxer or a tennis player, you're, you know, solo acts. Mm -hmm. So whatever works for you. Whereas you have more team sports, you're going to see, you still see it, you see it in, in, in multiple ways. 
you know, of, of getting ready, you know, to, to, to perform. Myself, you know, I'm not a talkative guy, you know, two hours before the, you know, before the game. You know, I'm trying to, you know, get locked in. I want, I don't want to talk about, you know, tickets. I want to get away from my family, you know, that, that may have come in town for the game or whatnot, because they're, they're a distraction to me. <laughs> Whereas other guys, you know, they want to laugh and joke all the way up to about it's time to, you know, to strap them up and go outside. So I had no problem, you know, with that, whatever, because whatever a, gets you ready to fight. That's an interesting topic, like how how athletes prepare. And I'm talking about pro athletes. I mean, Keith played at well, the highest level, like that, how you like prep for games. There's guys in that locker room that will piss you off. Because Keith's a quiet guy and gets himself ready, and then you got this guy over here joking. So like poke veterans, people. veterans, and not really that can, rookies. That but can like, get a little testy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm fascinated I, by that. That's interesting. To yeah, me. I mean, but it's a, it's and 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 you kind of get in the clicks. The loud guys are <laughs> all amongst the loud guys in that section of the locker room. The quiet guys are over in this section of the locker room, and in between guys, are, you know, somewhat. And you have. Neutral ground. You go into the training room to get tape for the game. Okay, then the, the head trainer is going to run that. Hey, no, don't be joking around in here, guys. Or you can talk, but keep it to a low roar. <laughs> you know, we don't want to hear no loud laughing and joking and what went on last week. No, no, no. We got a game tomorrow. You know, so will this boost the boxing? And, and you said something that makes me wonder. Okay, last night you had some pretty good hype with Wilder and Fury. But I couldn't tell you who's next. Who's going to... There's, who's no, there's the no form and there's no... Well, to be fair, until the hype challenger. this week, I couldn't... T I mean, I knew about Tyson Fury. I've, I knew the names. I'll be honest with you. I thought it was MMA. Yeah. <laughs> I really I did. Yeah. I mean, it, but that's a good point. I've always asked this, too. Those two were stars before last night's fight and before the first fight. So it's not like the stars made last night a big deal. I feel like it's the hype train behind it. Is it ESPN and Fox that made that fight what it is? You see what I mean? Like I'm not well, taking any, I'm not taking anything away from them, but those guys were stars with or without Fox and ESPN, but that fight was a big fight because of the build up to it. I mean, you couldn't watch anything else this week on sports television or radio that wasn't involved with that fight and you had all the shows from Vegas to 270 225. I think that was an intriguing part for me too this dude's putting on 17 pounds to go to 270 and beating up some guys well they had water put on weight too and it still wasn't but enough. that's what i'm saying where's the skill where's the boxes i mean are you look at wilder's highlights leading into this fight it's one part it's a knockout specialist yeah you know doesn't set up anything doesn't jab he just wanted to deliver that one big punch so when they stopped the fight that's probably another topic when they stopped the fight last night people were like oh they shouldn't have stopped the fight because our water needs is one punch. It could be dead before he gets that punch off. I mean, we don't, you know, I would like to hear uh, the medical report on him today. You know, what? we don't know what's going on inside of him. I mean, you're bleeding from your ear. That's not normal. If in the beginning, I was like, that started in the second yeah. round. That yeah, wasn't you're taking like, some pain. And he toughed that out a couple. I mean, I know at the end, you know, uh, Wilder said, you know, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? He I'm glad you. that they did. I'm glad I did that too. they did. Uh, well, but those are an eyes. One thing in a fight, you going out of your ear. Here. That's a bad sign. At the equilibrium, probably messing. I mean, he was not right too. You could just tell he was not right. And, Legs weren't there. But you gotta get Fury credit. Fury learned. I mean, back to back fights. I'm surprised he wasn't being given a little bit more, not respect, but uh, due to potentially win that fight because he got knocked down. I mean, everyone remembers Fury uh, Wilder knocking him down twice in the previous fight. But I mean, really. You know, it was Fury that was semi in control of that fight, yeah. but last night he dominated from, from the opening bell. Fury, 
was you know was charging at him, and that threw Wilder off. Wilder's used to guys running from him and intimidating, and he's yeah. doing the attack. So he's in defense mode. You know, you throw a punch and you're going backwards. How much power is in that punch? <laughs> you're used to going forward to deliver power in your punch, and so Wilder's punching going away because this big behemoth of a man is coming at him and not scared. Of, I'll take one or two to deliver my one. But when you drop your dukes to throw a punch, your defenses are somewhere down, and you got to be willing to take one. Wilder wasn't confident if I let my defenses totally down to try to deliver one. What if I miss? And I know this guy has the same punching power to me that can knock me out. And so it was a lot of feigning and not, not a lot of skills. There's a lot of headlocks. I mean, that you get that in the bigger fights or the, the heavyweight. But you don't, get, you don't keep getting headlocked like that if you have some defense. And move your feet. Well, who was that on, Fury or Wilder? Both. I was gonna, well, more so more Wilder. Both. Really? You know, it's more uh, Wilder yeah. for letting him put you in a headlock. Well, because he can't believe in his head. Yeah. <laughs> like, move. You know, bob and weave, bob and weave. He's just standing there, not jabbing. I try to throw this right I got this power right in. But you got to set it up. Yeah. You know, that's like, okay, uh, you got a quarterback who loves to throw bombs. And he's just waiting to throw a bomb, and you got your you're the defensive backs. They just keep deeper and deeper and knows he's not going to throw underneath because he just wants to throw a you know, 50-yard bomb. Well, you know, that reminds me. you got to set things up. It's funny you say that. It reminds me of the Cleveland Browns a little bit last year. They were going for the home run play. every. They were going for the knockout punch every play. That's why they would have so many quick three and outs because they weren't trying to run the ball. They weren't trying to set up the play, actually. They, weren't trying to, they wanted to go to that deep OBJ pass every time. I know it's a weird analogy, but, you no, know but it's true. they're going for the knockout punch every time, and there's no strategy involved. And, that's, and I mean, then you lose yeah. your identity, which we talked about. Yep. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Wilder, who are you, Wilder? I'm a one-punch guy. Well, what else you got other than this one punch? Nothing. A whole Nothing. lot of money in the bank. A lot of money in the bank. The the day, they both won last yeah. night from that perspective. Well, what, what did they get? $100 million. $100 million? $100 million. Oh, my gosh. $100 million. That's not bad. Times have changed. They're going to hit, let them hit me in the head for $110 million. That's what they were talking about. You know, you'll get Fury kind of just screwing around before the fight, and everyone, everyone's like, man, you know what that looks like? And like, yeah, a guy that's already made $100 million before the fight. So, <laughs> got my, so your towel guy said, hey, man, I'm going to stop this fight because we may get another $100 million in the future. Oh, yeah. Because if mean, he stays in there, won't be no more $100 million Now, if you're Wilder, is your next fight Fury, or do you sprinkle fights in? I mean, boxing world, I know things, I mean, I'm listening to them kind of analyze this last night. That was the big debate. If you're Wilder, is your next fight Fury for the rematch for part three, or do you need no. for a confidence booster, do you need a, a fight or two uh, with guys between then? I would I would fight somebody else, because he, he's not ready to fight Fury right now. Mm -hmm. Go, like we said, you got to put some more things. We talk about in basketball and football during all season. You know, put something else in your toolbox. Come back better than you were the previous season. So, same with with uh, Wilder. He needs to put something else in his in his toolbox. Better defense, uh, better jabs, and you and you go go back to the gym and work on it. But then take a fight against another guy, mm -hmm. i.e. Joe Lewis, bum of the month. Find you somebody where you can work on some skills with in in live action. Then you come back. You know, ready for uh, Tyson Fury. That's what Tyson did. You know, he went and got uh, Manuel Stewart's, you know, the crime gym people to fought, you know, uh, train uh, Tommy Hearns and a whole list of fighters, Lennox Lewis. Let me, you know, this is the first, I, I need, you know, I need, I tied this guy last time. 
what can I do to beat this guy next time? Mm -hmm. And that's what you got to give credit to Tyson Fury. But there's that's nobody in there in the middle that's going to draw a sizable payday. Are you going to risk that, maybe getting cut? Well, they come to you and go, okay, here's fight three for another 125. That's what that's, that's going to be what, hard to turn down. That's what Max Kellerman was saying last night. He kept saying the problem is, is the the business. But getting the public to buy into it. Oh, I think they buy into it. All right. I think they buy, but in, well, with Max. Saying that the business world in boxing, you talked about, man, it's a lot different than it used to be. A hundred million for that fight. If there's another hundred million waiting for you a year from now, that might speed up the fight to where. But maybe common sense is you should have a fight or two. But you need to have a fight between that time. But yeah, and and I, and this is what I was asking. Fighting once a year. What, uh, How many fights on average a year do boxers have? Two to three. Sometimes one. one. Which ones? Let's let's use last night's guys for example. They need to fight two to three. I mean, you know. How many times is Tyson fighting? Watch I don't know. That's what I'm curious. Like that. No, but I'm telling you, Tyson. Yeah, but his fights were like they were 30 over, seconds. But he was still trained in between time. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali. It was nothing. You know, young Muhammad Ali and Muhammad Ali had the '60s and early '70s, '60s before he, you know, he would fight mm -hmm. three, sometimes four times a, a year. But after Muhammad Ali uh, came back, when Joe Frazier years. You know, he, he was probably fighting once to twice, but he was 10 years older. You know, but these guys need to be fighting, you know, more. He's 34 years old, but keep in mind, last night was the toughest fight of his entire career. So he's a young 34. That's what I kept hearing them say Who's last that? night. Fear? Uh, Wilder. Wilder. So Wilder, although he has a lot of miles on, on the on the train a little bit at the same time, he's never, I mean, last this is the first time that he's really going to have to heal up. I mean, before you can maybe get two to three fights out of him a year, but if he has fights like that. But how many more fights does he have at this level? And you got to ask financially. How many more fights does he need? That's where you. That's where you got to start asking these guys. Okay, is it even? I mean, hundred million. You know, that's interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, I believe if I'm not mistaken. I think the first time Ali retired was 35, 36. So around this age, thirty. He's thirty four already. Right. Wilder. I'm not sure Fury. I think they're close to the same age. But yeah, I mean, because your body has so many fights in you. I, I that was mean, brutal last time. I mean. <laughs> that was nuts. It really was. All right, uh, four five seven nine four six four. Justin Kinner, Mark Schlemmer, Keith Byers with you here live from Frickers on seven forty one by the Dayton Mall. We're going to step away for a few moments. When we come back, the NFL Players Association, of course, was in the news this week. Potential seventeen game regular season. Two more teams, more wild card, uh, more wild card games, more wild card teams, more teams in the playoffs. It sounds good, but is it good from a player's perspective? From a fan's perspective, we'll get to that when we come back. Good Sunday morning, everyone. We welcome you back. Justin Kenner, Mark Schlemmer, Keith Byers with you here. It's our Sunday morning tailgate show live from Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall. Well, we're, we've had some XFL football to get us through the uh, the post-Super Bowl, you know, time. And, uh, you know, it's been pretty good. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of NFL talk going on right now. And how about this? We talked about, you know, Major League Baseball, you know, dealing with the Astros and the sign stealing. And, and then I feel like they're trying to drop some nuggets here to get people's minds off of it. Like when Manfred came out with the playoff expansion and the pick your own opponent and all that random crap. I thought that was done as a PR thing just to kind of get people talking about something other than the Astro stealing scandal. But the NFL's getting involved in the mix too because it was announced late last week that, well, now the NFL's potentially looking to add teams to the NFL playoffs. Look, I don't 
like the prop, like I get why baseball is always trying to come up with something to kind of tweak some things. I don't even like what they're coming up with, but I get it. The NFL is as close to, if not the perfect sport out there. There's, I mean, there's the the health issues you're trying to, you know, to you know to tweak and stuff. I get that, but like from my product standpoint, from an execution standpoint, the NFL is as close to perfect as it can be. If all you were talking about is arguing about preseason length, I think the NFL is in pretty good shape. But now they want to add more teams to the playoffs. I know some people are on the fence on this, but Keith, a 17th game in the regular season. Why? I don't understand. I don't the want purpose. it. Yeah, exactly. Well, why would you do that? And I think the records get tainted even more <laughs> by adding the 17th game. You know, you'll have more thousand-yard rushers. You'll have more 5,000-yard quarterbacks, and you'll have more hundred-yard, hundred-catch seasons out of wide receivers by adding that 17th game. And and, and then you starting to go to water down where the record truly is. I mean, you know, baseball people still complain about it when it went to 163 games. 62. 162 games, up from 153, I think it was. They they want, you know, they said, put a game on that eight game. You know, asterisk next to those eight games difference. The NFL, when they went from 14 to 16, it was some belly aching, but uh, okay. But now, 16, you know, that's three extra games from original 14-game season. That's that's almost a quarter of a season, and you talk then in one mouth you talk about player safety. Now, you, you, you're adding more games to the regular season and maybe more games in the postseason by adding teams to the playoffs. So where's the player safety issue come from? Yeah, we're getting rid of one preseason game. They don't play it anyway, but we're going to make them play a full game. That counts. That counts. Yeah. And, again, you have the Players Association that they worked hard to come up with this deal. But, again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, you're adding more teams to the playoffs, which, again, from a fan perspective, when, I'm, when you're watching the playoffs, that's great. There's more playoff football. I mean, from that perspective, no one's going to complain from that perspective. But you're already on the potentially talking about players and having another sit-out in the NFL when, again, this sport's as close to the perfect model of a sport right now as far as popularity and the, you know TV revenue, everything. It just amazes me that they're creating their own issues. They're creating issues between themselves and the players. And this isn't about the fans right now. The fans are going to suck in anything that you put out there. That's just how NFL fans are. But the NFL seems to continue to you know, you have baseball who overcompensates for their players. They do everything for their players. And then you have the NFL that just seems to totally ignore what the players are saying and asking and wanting. It's just amazing how different both sports are. When last it year, like you mentioned, it's a break. The Steelers would have got in. Yep. Do you want to see Doug, Doug Goose or Mason Rudolph. the other guy? Yeah, Mason Rudolph? Really? That's not a playoff team. No, because then if they have Ben Roethlisberger, either they make the playoffs or they don't make the playoffs. So, you know, if we had Ben Roethlisberger, we'd have been, the, what is that, the AFC, seventh seed? No. You just make it, Ben. You had all season to make it. So, again, you want to see, like you said, you want to see Mason Rudolph play? No. It takes away the regular season to me. It takes away the importance of winning those games because you can slide right in now. And the Browns stood with him. Still they still wouldn't have made it. They still would not have made it. Thanks, Bengals, for that one. Welcome back. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and... You know, I enjoy. I mean, but it, it could help teams like the Bengals and teams like the Browns. I mean, it's good. I mean, like I said, from a fan, this it's not all bad, but it's definitely not all good. I I just think that what's interesting, fans don't care about the players' perspective of it because fans just want more football. That's fine. Um, but like I said, the NFL is continuing to ignore 
the players' wishes and demands and wants. And you made a good point, Keith. Don't sit there and preach about player safety when you're adding another week of physicality that you could say, oh, it's extending games and, and potential stats and, and all that, but you're, could, how many careers are you shortening just with that extra week of football that's not necessary? That, I mean, think about Week 16 anyways. There's a lot of bad football in Week 16. You have teams that have already clinched the playoffs. You have teams that have been out of the playoffs for weeks. So there's already half-assed football going on in that final week of the season anyways. Now you're going to get two more weeks of that? Like, I just, I'm not a fan of that either. No. Well, because uh, what about the teams that are playing one of these teams? You talk about are phoning it in mm-hmm. the last couple of season, uh, weeks of the season, and then that's going to help push somebody else into the playoffs or push somebody out because the team is they, they worry about their draft position. You know, look at the Bengals last year. Hey, y'all make sure y'all protect that number one team, that number one seed. Man, don't that. You're going to tank and get, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, and the Browns had tanked it in. That's why they were able to get a, uh, that's why the Bengals were able to get that second win of the day last year. Aye, aye, aye. 457-9464. We opened up talking, of course, about Wilder Fury 2. Uh, Tyson Fury coming away with the win last night over Wilder, giving him his first loss uh, of his career. And then now we're talking, of course, about the potential expansion of the NFL. Do you think that happened? I mean, it wouldn't be next season, right? It would be 2021, I believe, is when that was. I think then they'd have to go to all the player vote now. Isn't that where they pushed it to? I'm sorry. I was distracted. I think that's what happened. I so it wouldn't start this week. year. It'd be potentially the year after. That that well, maybe even two years later. Two years later. Yeah. I so. thought I saw 2022. Maybe I missed that one. So that'd be a whole new era. I mean, Tom this Brady and Drew Brees will be gone seasons, by then. Yeah. So. That would be 50 playing still. No. Aye, aye, aye. No, when I was distracted, I was. we talked about the fight earlier in the first segment. And just to bring up, go just go back, just rewind the tape a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, was, I pulled up some of Mike Tyson fight dates, and I was like, I know he fought a lot as a youngster, but if I'm if my math is right, and, and he fought like 15, 12 times one time in, in 1985. One, two, three, four, five, six, wow. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen fights so in a year. We're talking about how many times a year? So you was fight. He was fighting sometimes twice a month. Okay, they were ending fast. And his first fight was March 6th, April 10th, May 23rd, and he just fought all summer. June 20th, July 11th, July 19th, <laughs> August 15th, September 5th, October 9th, October 25th, November 1, November 13th, November even two weeks in between. December 6th and December 27th. And the longest fight was four rounds. See, and that's the... <laughs> wow. Now, <laughs> this fight in 1985 was four rounds. See, I think money has ruined boxing from this perspective because Mike Tyson, I would love to see what his money total was that year. How many How many of those... What was the total of money that those 16 fights... Were 15, fights. 15 fights equated to? Because you have guys last night that probably made more money in one fight than what Tyson did in all of those fights combined. So, you know, it's one of those where back then you would push yourself to the limit because you know that your window as a fighter is small so you're going to try and maximize your talent as much as possible you're going to step into the ring as much as possible now these guys don't have to do now they can spread out their fights over a year two years because they're getting paid so much that it's not like they're having to kill themselves to be able to make a dollar but look at this mike tyson lived in the gym he fought three times in a month he fought december 27th of 85 came back and fought january 10th of 86 and then january 24th so they just kept him go to the ring, fight. Let's go back to the train to get who's the next bum. Because you don't know any of these names. <laughs> they know the names you ever heard of. None of, I mean, none of them. And then he got the championship from Trevor Burbick in November of '86, second round knockout. That was his last fight of '86. 
but he fought. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen times. Interesting. <laughs> so that's twenty-eight fights in. That's way different than what we talked about to start. <laughs> that's two to three a year. But yeah. like I said, I mean that fight last night made more money for those guys in one fight than he probably made in all those fights combined. I'm a, I'll pull that up tonight so we can have that for tomorrow. Just taking a look at the amount of money because I think money is also what really makes the boxing world go round. Why step in the ring when you don't have to? If you can make a nice little pretty penny to last you for a lifetime, then you know what more power to you. That's why we see you know Mayweather every once in a while jump back into the ring. It's just to get that quick little dobby. That's why he did that thing with McGregor. It's not because he wanted to challenge himself. It's because he knew, well, man, I'm going to make a crap ton of money in just this one fight. The same thing with Pacquiao. Of course, he waited till Pacquiao was late in his career before he decided to man up and do it. But nonetheless. Well, I know times change and inflation and everything else. But they got $100 million last night. Ali Frazier, first fight was $5 million apiece. <laughs> Which, by the way, even back then, that's a lot of money. That was huge money. <laughs> that's, in 19, I mean, that was, you know. Was, they got five. Can you imagine what that would have raked in now? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it'd be still five. So with extra zeros behind it. 500 a million. At least. Ugh. All right. We'll step away for a few moments. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of Bengals earlier in the week. This this Joe Burrow thing is not going away anytime soon. Until you hear his name called on draft day or until you hear him make a statement saying, I don't want to play in Cincinnati, everyone is going to continue to create whatever storyline they want out of this earlier in the week. Uh, we had Solomon Wilcott's on, former Bengal, to come on to talk about that narrative, and, and he put some of that to rest. We'll talk about that when we come back. Plus, Reds baseball today, spring training. Their first game was canceled yesterday. They'll be back in action later on today, uh, and Shay's going to get the lineup and all that stuff for us, too, whenever we come back. More of our Sunday morning tailgate show live from Frickers next. We welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Mark Schlemmer, Keith Byers with you here. It's our Sunday morning tailgate show live here from Frickers on 741 by the Dayton Mall. So this ongoing Joe Burrow discussion, and by the way, 457-9464, give Shay a call back in the studio. He'll relay your information to us, and we'll get your take here live uh, on the Sunday morning tailgate show. So Joe Burrow... Uh, back in the news for what he's not saying. Um, I, I, I will agree that I think the national media has kind of taken some narratives and spun them a little bit. I've actually witnessed it. I've heard certain interviews that former Bengals have done, and then I've watched the headlines come from those where they said, oh, Solomon Wilcott says that Joe Burrow you know, should steer away from the Bengals. That's actually now what Solomon Wilcott said it all. In fact, he came on the show earlier in the week. He was on the herd. The herd spun his comments to fit this narrative that Joe Burrow should not be a or should not, you know, should come out and pull an Eli Manning and Elway, that type of thing. I heard the interview. That's not what he said whatsoever. He was actually calling out the fans, saying that the fans made it unbearable for for guys like Carson Palmer and even Andy Dalton. Carson Palmer, you had guys going and, and vandalizing his house, and when they'd be on the road, they'd be vandalizing his house where his his wife and kids are still at home. They couldn't even feel safe in that own in their own city. Andy Dalton's getting booed at celebrity all star games and, and and some other charity games. Which, by the way, I got clarity on that. I thought he was talking about the Reds. Uh, one, he wasn't even talking about that. There were some other softball games in town where when he would step into the box to hit, the fans would boo him like crazy. So it wasn't just a one-time thing. Dalton was being crapped on for many, many years. And that doesn't sound like Bengals fans. talk about the Eagles are the, are the worst that, Yeah, that's like talking about Eagles and Raiders. Eagles don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, so when he brought those, he didn't say that he shouldn't play there, that he said that it's an organization that does, has, it, has, its, has its flaws. 
but he never said that you know, he should not go there because but there's really not a whole lot of perfect organizations out there. Bottom line is is I got into a huge scuffle with Bengals fans on Twitter and social media because I made the comment that the one excuse I'm tired of hearing from Lance McAllister over in Cincinnati and all these other, all these other guys saying, stop calling Cincinnati a bad organization. They made the playoffs five straight years. That doesn't mean anything to me. The Cleveland Cavaliers made it to four straight finals. They won an NBA title, and that did not change the perception of that organization. They're still a bad organization. So just making the playoffs... Women doesn't make you a good organization. Yes, it's it high... It, the masks your flaws, you know. That's what it does. So that's why I'm. So I said that, and it was like I started. You saw the tweets. It started World War Three. I got called oh, every gosh. name in the book. Um, I mean, I could comment on that. When I was in Philadelphia, we had a bad organization under with under two legend Norman Brainer. The players, we made it a good organization. Mm -hmm. Now Jeffrey Lurie has made it, you know, a better organization. You know, uh, now because he's a, he's a better owner than uh, Norman Brainer. And he's done a, a lot for the, the city, for the team, and organization. That's a good organization. Mm -hmm. If I had played, you know, in that organization, I doubt if I'd ever left Philadelphia. You know, I leave Philadelphia, I go to Miami, that's a good organization. Still one of the best organizations, you know, in football, regardless of the success on the football. Now, what do you mean by that? Because I know fans are going to ask that. Because they say that's the next thing. Well, how is my, why is Miami a better organization than Cincinnati's won way more than Miami? And I'm not arguing with them. I'm curious what's your rebuttal to that, because that's what people's go-to is right away. Well, well you know, you, unlike... You know, the football team, you are what your record says you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that defines who you are. Organizations are, are, are a little bit different or a lot different than that. It's the way they treat the players, uh, where they, they respond. They're active in a community, and it's a destination where people don't mind, you know, going there, and you want to win there. And when you're not winning, you know, that may, that's frustrating because you feel like you're truly, you know, letting your fan base down. When you're not winning, you know, in, in situations like that, I mean, and look at the New York Giants. That's a good organization. That's old school. They've been around a long time, and they're traditionalists. But and 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 they're loyal to the fan base. They get involved. Uh, that's a, it's a great organization. You know, you you want to you know uh, be there, and you know I can name a few others, you know as well, um, but. Then you know you hear about some places like let's talk about a new franchise that's been running long, Jacksonville. I think they're still searching for an identity, whereas you're not saying there's a bad organization. Uh, I was think it's just neutral. I think it's 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 okay. What about Houston? That's the newest organization. I mean, right? Like that's the newest team in the NFL, right? I think the ownership treats the players all right. It's kind of a double edge. It's winning and how the ownership treats. I, I think. The way I look at a good organization is how do they treat the players? Like you said, the, the record's a record. Right. But do they treat the players? You've heard stories of the Bengals. Oh, yeah. Go get your own towel or you get one the size of a wash rag. That's a good organization. Do they treat you properly? And Whether you want to lose. Back in the organization. <laughs> yep. Do they, do they make it to where you want to come there? And then it's up to the, the players on the field. But do they make it worth the players' time to even go for a visit? If you go and it's like, okay, you're going to give me this money, but i got to go buy this and this and this and this on my own. Look at Kansas City. A lot of people were happy that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because it's the Chiefs and their organization. They've been around a long time. And it's like, man, you guys haven't won the Super Bowl in 50 years. Everybody, you've been a you know, model citizen for the NFL. You know, people who play there 
and you know ex players. Man, Kansas City is a great place to play. We love Kansas City. You know, yeah, we haven't won anything in a while, but we love the Chiefs. That's what you want to hear. So when now they when they are good and they do well, you want to cheer for them even more. Oh, yeah. If the Bengals win the Super Bowl next year, it'll be a feel good story for the players. And, and everything else, and, may, and, and it will only be feel good from the organization is if they make sweeping changes this offseason. It's like, man, we finally got it right. We're headed in the right direction. We won the Super Bowl. Now we're a model citizen. Not yet. You're, you're, you, you've taken step one. Do that for some more years in a row. Cleveland Browns was a great organization until they moved. And now they're still trying to get that mm-hmm. back. If Modell had it never upped and left, Cincinnati, a lot of people wanted to play in Cincinnati. I mean, I'm in Cleveland. Cleveland was a great place to play. You had the fan base. You wanted to be drafted there. I wanted to be drafted (laughs) there. I did. Yes, absolutely. Did you make that known when you were coming out? No. Because I saw Tua came out and said if he had his druthers, he'd want to go to Dallas. Yeah, I heard that. I I, I would have, but they didn't have a number one pick. They had used it the, the previous But you never summer. came out and said, man, I'd really like to go to Cleveland. No. No, they didn't have one. I wanted to be a first-rounder. They Bernie I mean, Kosar graduated early, and they drafted him in the supplemental draft. So uh, that is there left, something wrong with that? One. Going, hey, i really like to go here. No, you kind of tell the teams that. I mean, that's... In person. That's human nature to me. Yeah, because, I mean, Joe Burrow, by the way, you know you're going to be a Bengal, but in, unless you and your head have made your mind up and said, I'm gonna, at some point I'm going to come out and make it be known, I will not play for the Bengals if they draft me. If he's made up that in his mind, more power to him. But when his dad comes out and is making all these comments about, this is preposterous, I can't believe that anyone's saying this, Joe Burrow could put an end to this narrative very quickly. And he doesn't have to say, I want the Bengals to draft me. He can come out and say, it would be an honor to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. What did he sign that one guy's Burrow jersey the other day and yeah. making a big deal out of that? Well, well, What's he going to say? No, I don't want to no, sign, I don't want jersey. sign it. You know? <laughs> well, I think it was similar to they talk about Elway. Elway never said he wanted to go to Denver. He just wanted to, He's a West Coast guy. He didn't want to play in uh, Baltimore. Was it Baltimore? Mm-hmm. He didn't want to go to Baltimore. He didn't want to be. A, he didn't want to play in the East. He, I'm a West Coast guy. I went to college in the West Coast, in the West, the high school. I just want to be out West. And Denver was the closest one that could work the deal for it. I mean, if, if, if end of the day, he would have eventually played in Baltimore. But Baltimore said the guy don't want to be here. What can we get for him? Why not? But today's NFL, I don't know if that would work. You know, if Joe Burrow's. You know, holding out. Joe Burrows is a, what, fifth years, five years out of high school. Is it really worth it for Joe Burrows to, you know, to play that card? And the Bengals are that organization that would screw yep. him. Oh, they'd be like, you're here or nowhere. Well, go back in the draft, draft next you year. On purpose. Yeah, they, they would draft him out of spite, which, again, just shows that boneheadedness of, I know you want to respect yourself, but, you know, get players that want to play here and go win and stop doing this. I'm going to put my chest out and draft you even though you don't want to be here. Sit you, then you then the, then the that fits the mold of the organization's a bad one because then we're going to focus on, man, the Bengals are a joke. They draft Joe Burrow and they can't even play their rookie quarterback because he refuses to suit up for him. The Bengals won't get out of their own way. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to come out and say it. It wouldn't surprise me if he did. I could be a bad move if he did. And then the kids, are, the Bengals take him anyway. Mm-hmm. Is he going to sit for a year? Then what's his value really going to be worth after not playing for a year. You this guy's Trevor coming Lawrence off the hottest. Yeah. And Lawrence's name's kind of faded, really. I know they, he's already the number they've already said he's the number one pick next year. Lock could change. Justin Fields I think is going to turn a lot of eyes next year too because he's going to come out. Amongst who else is going to come out of there? Out of those two mm-hmm. names we jump on. But it, it may be another guy come out. It may be a Dwayne Haskins type. <laughs> like wow. 
you know, he's a first rounder. We didn't talk about him this time. Herbert's year. name keeps coming up more and more now. So. I don't know if I'm sold on Herbert, but. But this is where it's interesting because he keeps doing all these these combine drills and stuff, and they keep coming out saying, "Oh, he's grading better, he's looking better," whatever that means. Who knows what that means? You, I know you're gonna <laughs> roll your eyes at that, so it is what it is. That's this week, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, it's like I said, for me, like, and I don't know why Bengals fans get, got mad at this. I wasn't doing it to stir the pot. And to be fair here, because this is what I kept getting. Oh yeah, coming from a Browns fan, that's rich. The Browns are a joke too. The Browns could win the Super Bowl in 2020. And I'm still going to come on the airwaves and say, you know what? They're a joke of an organization still. The Haslams won't become a good owner all of a sudden because they win a Super Bowl or even make the playoffs in 2020. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear that. You know, but a, a fan did bring I think it was Nick uh, Schlemmer that called earlier in the week, and he brought up a good point. He said an organization that turned things around without changing ownership was the New Orleans Saints. Remember the Saints had fans not coming in? Yeah. They would wear the bags over their heads. Uh, the Saints. Saints. And now they're looked at as one of the most respected franchises in the NFL today, and they didn't change ownership. Uh, and it's because they got Sean Payton and Drew Brees. So, and Hurricane Katrina helped out. So, <laughs> so it can't. They made the change the narrative of the other organization. And Benson stayed out of the way. Right. So, and you've said this. You will not be a fan of that team as long as Mike Brown is there. Correct? Yeah. Still. And then the jury's out with Katie wrong with it. I mean, they can, like he said, they could come out of nowhere and win the Super Bowl this year. They've still got enough players to do it. But their history and his history, I don't see it changing overnight. They had a cheapest Super Bowl ring in history. How much can we spend on the ring? Yep. <laughs> but can we get the adjustable band yeah. on the back? <laughs> but to be fair, if the Saints can turn it around, why couldn't the Bengals? I'm just. I think any team can. The uh, Green Bay Packers. The Falcons almost did it. I mean, the Green Bay Packers were with the like same. Them and the Bengals were the cheapest, two lowest paying teams in the NFL mm-hmm. all through the '80s. That was like that was a that was a joke in the league. You keep messing around, we're gonna chip you out to Green Bay. Oh, don't send me to Green Bay. <laughs> you know, that was a joke. Yeah, nobody wanted to go to Green Bay. You know, I mean, you don't you don't hear if people Green Bay signs free agents. Yes, Reggie White. You know, my former teammate opened that up. But people, Green Bay's a destination place. Yes, it's cold as all outdoors. But, hey, I get to go play with Aaron Rodgers. I get to go play with Brett Favre. You know, I got a chance to win. Those are three quick, and you go to Green Bay, you got a chance to win. They're in the playoffs more than more than not. But is it somebody's first choice to go to Green Bay? I mean, if Green Bay's money is the same as Miami's money, and they, or New England money, you're probably going to go to one of those two over Green Bay nine times out of ten, unless you're like, I'm, I'm going to be the wide receiver, and I haven't had a quarterback, but I finally got Aaron Rodgers. We ain't going to be in sync. I'm gone. You know, but you, how, when is Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's last big-time free agent? <laughs> Bobby Hart. Delta <laughs> O'Neal, maybe? They re-signed yeah. Bobby Hart. Yeah, Bobby but Hart. No, that, that, no, I'm talking about from another team. Not T.O.? One well, he was looking for anybody. Uh, yeah, at that point, he was. But I mean, is a name. But I guess that would kept, that would qualify. Right? And he had that weight to his name too. His late. He career. had a lot he of he, got, he didn't have a lot of options. Was though. Neil O'Donnell for Asian when they got him? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so all right, we're gonna step away. That kind of answered the question. Four five seven nine four six four. We'll step away for a few moments. When we come back, I don't know if you heard this the other day or not, but I, I said that there are two free agent names right now that if the Browns went out and grabbed or the Bengals went out and grabbed they would be a playoff team in 2020. That's a hot take but I'll tell you who I'm talking about when we come back. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. 
been doing this show for a few years now, and I've never had the chicken noodle soup out here at Frickers. Uh, Keith Byers, Keith Byers gets the chicken noodle soup every single week, and I'm like, that's a weird thing to get when you come to Frickers, because every week I, I get the wings. Uh, I'll get the their burgers really good too, by the way. But the chicken noodle soup I, with battling the flu this past week, I was like, I'm gonna get some soup this morning. Their soup is top notch, folks. I'm telling you right now, Keith Byers, it's Keith Byers approved. Put it that way. Absolutely. I gotta have it. By the way, you gotta feel bad. Sometimes it's two bowls, but today's only one. Some some girl went to the waitress and just came up and <laughs> said, "Oh my God, you're you're a famous person." Said, "Yeah," and, and, and you know the, he played for the Eagles. And she goes, "Oh my God, you're an old football player." And then she looked like, and then she panicked. She panicked and changed. And then he goes, "What'd you say?" And she goes, "You're a football player." You're a whole football <laughs> player. A whole football. That's not even a good recovery. What do you mean a whole football player as opposed to half a football player? <laughs> she was walking toward me and goes, "I'm gonna go meet a famous person." I was like, "It's a little girl there in the red hat." But it was just because Keith goes, "What'd you call me?" And she goes, "I said." A whole football player. I'm like, you knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome home. But but Keith did what I absolutely love, and this is what I aspire to say to someone one day: Google me. Buyers yeah. looked at her and said, "Google me." Then he'll know yeah. who I am. Yeah. So yeah, but I like to tell that to young folks. No, when your like, birthday well, makes all the lists like yours do. Uh huh. Like all the whose birthday it is on the in the country. That's when you made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it helps. It helps. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's what you know. When I when I sometimes go to schools and and talk to people, or talk to kids, young folks, and they you know ask who you are, and, you know, they say, well, you can Google me, and I, then I kind of like throw the question back, can I Google you? That'll be you know not for anything bad. <laughs> can I Google you if you want to someday be? Uh, is that a word, Googleable? <laughs> Are you Googleable? Are you Googleable? <laughs> yeah. You know. By the way, I, I had Google worthy. Yeah. Google worthy. Yeah. I had all my stuff expunged, so uh, you can yeah. Google me all day, folks. <laughs> Holy moly! And uh, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in again. We're live here at Frickers on seven forty one by the Dayton Mall. Uh, we've talked NFL. We talked about the big, uh, you know, Fury Wilder two last night. What a fight that was! I'm not a big boxing fan, but that was his. Uh, I Did mean, that help make you a boxing fan? Or yeah, and I was t talking with Kev a little bit ago. I'm like, you know, I'm, if boxing's on, I'm not stopping what I'm doing to watch it. I think it's a star driven thing, obviously, but like. Fury now is a household name for me. Now I make sure when he's on, I don't even care if I, like you said earlier, who's next. I, I don't know who would be next because I don't know enough about boxing to be able to give you that answer. But I promise you, as long as I see Fury is going to fight, and even Wilder, I know he lost, but uh, either of those two now, I'm going to be hooked on their on their fights moving forward. So, yeah. but, you know, I think it's always about pomp and circumstance with boxing. You know, Muhammad Ali, you know, he was, you know, uh, probably one of the originators as far as. The, the fighter hyping the fight without the promoters, you know. So Ali's interest into the ring wasn't no big deal. It was never no big deal. That kind of evolved more and more, and it started to really take off. Then you comes along with Mike Tyson, who's the anti that guy. I don't need no rope. Just cut a hole in a towel and throw it over my head. Let me let me get in the room. Some black shoes and no socks. I just want to fight. I just want to fight. <laughs> so you go from Mike Tyson. Now you're going back to. I mean, Tyson Fury comes in on is the king on his throne. I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, we have wrestling. Yep, wrestling. We, okay. had, we had Baron Corbin on a few weeks ago. WWE when they were in Dayton, they have a wrestler named Baron Corbin. He won their little King of the Ring little thing that they do. And so now after he won that, every time he comes to the ring, he has the guys holding him up as he's on a throne with the little, you know, with the little crown on. So it was, you know, and Fury by the way did a little wrestling thing. 
uh, he fought uh, Braun Strowman in, in one of the WrestleMania, not WrestleMania, it was a wrestling pay-per-view card or whatever. So I'm sure he kind of pulled that idea from there. But it was, I mean, it's the energy. You, you know, pull that and get beat, you look real stupid. Yeah, as you do. But how about uh, Wilder? Mm -hmm. The Wilder came out with like this really badass looking like I don't yeah, know what it, it lit up neon. It started lit it up. Cool. It's fifty. He spent fifty thousand dollars on that, by the way. That costume that he wore. Fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, I, I could have cut into his hundred million, huh? Yeah, I, I was gonna say it. tax money. <laughs> Yeah. It's a write-off. It was for work purposes, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but what a fight last night. Again, then we talked, of course, uh, about the NFL possibly expanding. Well, I don't know about the fight part. It was a good, entertaining night. How much, the fight? How much was pay-per-view? 80 bucks. Is that 80 what it was? 80 bucks. Wow. A friend of mine uh, bought I sent him money for it last night because I felt bad. I, I talked to all this smack all week saying, I ain't going to pay for it. I felt bad. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. Um, you see, that. I saw one of the fights on the undercard. You see a guy. How are you six six hundred thirty five pounds? You saw that one too. The guy looked like Manute Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, son. Two hundred pounds, and he was. Oh no, no. With six that, seven. Manute Bowl. How do you stay at that weight at six seven? By accident, you're going to get more than that. So I got right. curious last night. I looked up Manute Bowl. Manute Bowl at seven seven was two hundred pounds. How are you seven seven and two hundred pounds? <laughs> I mean, I weighed more than Manute Bowl, and I'm five five. <laughs> That's pretty he got, impressive. He's got two, two more feet of spreading his 200 pounds oh, out. But, no, that fighter last night that you're talking about, it was, I think, like one of the giraffe. second or third one. Yeah. Yep. Like, jeez, young man. I mean. And he looked 12. He, yeah, exactly. And, he and they 12. said he's a family boxer. Everybody in the family. His sister fights. Daddy fought. The brother fights. You don't have to be a fighter, young man. It's okay he looks to play like, basketball. I'm here because my mom made me. <laughs> I'm here so I don't get fined. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I threw this out earlier, Schlemmer, and I'll see what you think. And this is so unlikely, it's not going to happen. But I'm telling you, these two free agents right now, if you take these two free agents and add them to the Bengals roster or the, or the Browns roster, I believe one of those two teams is a playoff team next year, assuming the Bengals draft Joe Burrow, which I think they will. And I think he'll play there, and I think we're overblowing this, that he doesn't want to. But if the Bengals went out and got Joe Tooney on the offensive end for that line, with Jonah Williams coming back, and then you have Hopkins at center. That's a good core right there. To Jonah Williams not coming back. He's never been here. That's <laughs> your left side, at least. Assuming, <laughs> you know, but He's that healthy. left side, that's more of a side than you've had the last five years. So we don't know what he can do. We'll so find with, out. with Mixon, with Eifert, with A.J. Green, assuming you, you know, take care of business there. With Boyd, I kind of like the offense. I do. I, I like the offense. If that offensive line just... They're not going to be the perfect offensive line, but I love Tooney, man. I love the fact he's a local kid, for one. Played for the Patriots, won multiple Super Bowls. I love that about him. I would love him in Cincinnati. And then on the defensive side, you ready for this? I know you have Atkins. I know you have Dunlop. You have a lot of holes to fill on that defensive end. But if you went out and actually decided to spend some money... Sam Hubbard. Eh. Are you a Hubbard fan? I already got the most sacks of anybody out of that combine, which I don't know what that means. Yeah, I, I like him. I think he's got a good motor. Jadavion Clown. He gives Clown. good effort. Jadavion Clown ain't on paper, all world. On the field, your best ability is your availability is your best ability, and I don't know if he's going to show up. But imagine him with Atkins and Dunlap. I know you would have you have to get linebackers an issue, secondaries an issue. I get that, but you have draft picks. It'll you be can Clown. He's thirteen in three years. Yeah. How much is he going to want to play in Cincinnati, no matter what they're paying? Now, I don't think he's a problem guy, because he was only traded from Houston because they weren't going to be able to re-up, and they were trying to get something back for him. They sent him, obviously, to uh, Seattle. I don't. I don't. I know what you're saying. I don't think he's a trouble guy, is he? I'm not sure what the reputation no, of him is. No, I don't so. think so. Um, and then, so those same guys on the Browns, though, 
Joe Tooney to the Browns. Enhance that offensive line, protecting Baker Mayfield with OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and, and Chubb, and, and uh, obviously Hunt. And imagine adding a Jadavion Clowney to the Cleveland Browns defense. That's uh, pretty good. On paper, it's a yeah. good move. But let's say he lives up to that hype, the Bengals, would that propel them into that? I love the offense. If you could find one or two good offensive linemen, which, again, we keep, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could say. If right tackle is what you need, though. Well, they, they, got, they, got, they got three Buckeyes on that offensive line. Billy Price. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Jordan and uh, from Miami, Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Prince. Prince. And they, those guys got to mature. Yeah, they've got to mature. And really, the free agent they signed last year, the guy from Buffalo, what did he do? And, but you can't get scrap heap guys. Like, sorry, you can't, you can't keep there. shopping a Dollar Tree. And that's how. By the way, Mike Brown. That's how you shut people up. Uh, but he's been listed. To do it. And that's what I say. I mean, you watch the Brown, uh, the Reds do it, and that totally changed our perception of the Reds organization. Because the same things we said about Mike Brown, we were saying about the Castellinis. Oh, they won't spend money. All they care about is oh, they get the scrap heap guys and hope that they can win with them. And that was the case for a while. But now, all of a sudden, Castellinis had enough. What's going? What's it going to take for Mike Brown to have enough and decide to go and do See, that? One of my questions I'm going to talk more about tomorrow. I throw it a little bit out there today. Do the, what do you do with AJ Green? Do you bring him back, or you, assuming you draft? Joe Burrows, do you bring him back, draft a, a rookie, as well as sign another free agent wide receiver and let A.J. walk? If you're going to let him walk, why wouldn't you have dealt him at the deadline? deadline? Yeah, Because we're the Bengals. Well, I know, now you can just let him walk <laughs> and get nothing. <laughs> I think you got nothing out of him anyway. Yeah, well. what'd you just say about Jadavion? I keep pulling on this. What'd you say about Jadavion Clay? Your best availability is what? And that's been availability. the availability. To me, I got to see what I get. If I can get one of the Je or the LSU receivers in the second round, it's easier for him to walk. Did you hear this? That thirty receivers would be taken total between thir three rounds. Is that correct? Is that, that seem that. high? Wow. They said this is the this is the deepest wide receiver draft that they can think of ever. With, and it doesn't, but they don't know if there's a Jerry Rice or someone in this group. But they said that this is the if you need a receiver, you're going to be able to get some potential Pro Bowl level receivers late in the draft. Um, so when the Bengals are talking about repositioning money, you know what? You move on from AJ Green. It's not like you don't have the option. I mean, you don't draft. have to draft a receiver number one. You know, but. You can get a receiver. Oh, not one. No, 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 no. I just mean, like, you can get one later in the, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the top three or four rounds. I mean, Ohio State has two receivers coming out, right? Mm -hmm. They got LSU's Victor got a barrel of them. and uh, K.J. Hill. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, me personally, if I'm Cincinnati, it's time to move on from, from A.J. Green. And I like A.J. Green. You move on to Dalton, move on to Green. Yep. And bring in somebody, some 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 young some young blood, some new blood. And it could be a free agent. The, the, the receiver for uh, the Jets, uh, Anderson. He might be, you know, coming, he's hungry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's somebody you can get for less, less than. Uh, and, and, you know, he hasn't had a breakout season yet. But uh, he's worth a free agent hire signing. You know, but I'm saying we're doing the work for them. That, that, that's what they're doing. That's what they're supposed to be doing all day, every day, ever since the season ended. Doing their scouting report, uh, not just the college kids, but the pro scouting report, too. Who is available? Who can we get 
at the right prices to help put our team together. Yeah, the transition real quick to, to Cleveland. The Cleveland's number one priority for me this offseason is getting an identity. Who are we? Well, they got enough pieces to the puzzle. You mentioned, you know, Clowney possibly pairing him up with Miles uh, Garrett. Yes, but they have enough in that locker room to be a playoff team. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. That's Tennessee, you know. But they need to find out who they are. And they should know it, right? By well, you Here it is. By, by March, they should know it yep. and implement that. You know, by the, when offseason starts later on in March and in April, this is what we're going to do. Nick Chubb, we're, you know, offense is going to, you're going to get, expect to touch the ball 15 to 25 times a game between the run and the passing. We have, you know, we got to get the ball to you a quarter of our offense. You know, we run 75 plays, 15 to 20 of those are going to be to you. You know, hey, Odell. We need you to do X, Y, and Z. Be a, be you know, be a, be a part of this offense. Jarvis, our tight end, everybody defensively. You know, our goal is to have at least two turnovers a game. We want to average two turnovers a game. You know, and then next thing you know, you're taking the ball over three and four times. Have an have an have a goal and an identity of who you are. Instead of this past season, which we watched, they were doggone Sybil. They were multiple personalities. You know, they got first and go at the five, not one run. Another time they got a, they got no passes. Who are you? Kansas City, I think we know who they are. San Francisco, we know who they are. That's why they were in the Super Bowl. Tennessee Titans, we know who they are. That's why there's an AFC Championship game. You know, they finally said, hey, we're done with Mariota. We're going to run this thing with Henry and Teddy Hill, you know, whether it's going to take us to the playoffs or not. And it took off. That started from the top and it worked its way down. I have not seen that in Cleveland. Certainly haven't seen it in Cincinnati in recent years. And they've got two running backs in those cities that are just as talented. Exactly, and they can get it done. And, and Cleveland's got a, a, you know, two. If, if they can keep Good Hunt point. clean the rest of the offseason. Or they can keep him at all. Keep him at all. Let me ask you this, and and I, Steve from Dayton, we're gonna give me sixty seconds, and we'll get to your call. The NFL and that players. You know the the players' union that they were able to negotiate in that CBA, they'll no longer test for for weed. So now all of a sudden, if weed is not looked at as this big time issue in the NFL, did you ruin the career of a Josh Gordon for doing things that now players moving forward are going to be allowed to do? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not making an excuse for Josh Gordon, but Josh Gordon was turned into this huge villain for he wasn't doing hard drugs that I know of. I'm not. Sitting here, acting like I know every detail to that. He was, he kept getting those suspensions for the weed. So if weed is, they're never going to say it's allowed, but they're just not going to test for it moving forward. Do you go back and all of a sudden let him back in the league? I mean, how's that work? I don't know about retro, but, but the perception of him is not fair to. Keep have they ever tested for way. weed in the NBA and Major League Baseball? Baseball, yes. Uh, NBA, no. NBA, slight. I I can't remember. I think they do it once a year. The NBA, once a year before camp, because I remember Baron Davis talking about this. They always tell the players, by the way, you're going to get tested for this during this week, so everyone's clean heading into that week. And then the ones that aren't, you're stupid, by the way. Right. (laughs) You know, but. Yeah, when was the last time in the NBA been been a a player been suspended for anything? For PEDs? I mean, not this. There's been some seasons. Michael Ray Richardson. Richardson, maybe? No pro, no high-profile guys in the 2000s that I can think of. None. Not, I can't think of one. So, but every year in the NFL, we have guys being suspended. 
It, but I feel like we've painted, and I don't want to get into this, what's people's opinions of weed and all that. I, that's not really what I want to do here. But I, I would. it is interesting if you look at Josh Gordon. He has been painted as this guy that just doesn't get it. He's just, he's a bum. He, he, he'll never under, he wasted his whole career. But now all of a sudden, these players, if they're allowed to do it or not be penalized for it, uh, you know what uh, I mean? Uh, who knows? It's a slippery it's slope because you got teams in Colorado. You got teams in California. And you got teams that go to California to play for a week. teams that go to yeah. California to play there. <laughs> so. And you're getting secondhand smoke, allegedly. I mean, I don't know. So. I don't know they could bring him back. That's. But no. if the reason you're keeping him out is for a reason that no longer exists as an issue in the sport. That's why I mean, we're that, slippery. That, that, I get it. That, that gets in, almost in, in some of the political things. Uh, I mean, look at the uh, drug drug offenders, nonviolent drug offenders that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, that they got slapped with basically life sentences, mm-hmm. 40, 50-year-plus sentences. And now for selling marijuana, for selling, you know, and now... <laughs> Well, what do you know, Keith? You're just an hey. old football player. Only a half Oh, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Steve in Dayton. Steve, how are you? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, right before the break, you were talking about guys that, you know, their height and weight don't match. I, I think real quick, this is, this is not what I was calling about, but with Taco Fall, the guy's like 10 feet tall and he weighs like a buck fifty. Like, that's just, I feel like that's unproportionate body type right there. <laughs> yeah, Taco looks awkward running up and down the floor. He looks a little bigger than Manute Bull did, though. Oh, he has a little girth to him. He has more girth than Manute Bull did, absolutely. Right. Um, so as far as the... Uh, as, when it comes to, like, the Bengals and or even the Browns with the signing of the free agency, like, I can't think of the last time I, since I've ever been watching the Bengals that they went out and signed, like, an actual big-name free agent in their prime. You think about some of the past signings that they've had that were okay, like like uh, Cedric Benson, like he, he, everyone could almost agree that he revived his career in Cincinnati. He had pretty good years in Cincinnati. But when you think about like Keogh, that was his last year playing football. It was on the end of his prime. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, he was at the end of his prime. And you think, I mean, like, I remember when they signed, like, Lavernius Coles, and I'm like, seriously, go out and just get somebody. But they never, they never do. The only time they sign guys is if, guy, if, it's, is if it's guys they've already drafted. They'll certainly spend money on guys that they've already drafted, but sometimes that's not the best value. They never sign a guy in his prime, and I just don't understand it. And I don't think, I mean, I agree. I, that uh, Jadavion Clowney, I think, would be really good on the defense, but... I don't think Mike Brown is ever going to go out and sign that big name guy. I mean, the Browns have tried every once in a while. You know, every they have signed a few guys um, that are in their prime. But the Bengals, I can't think of the last guy. Larry Johnson they signed in, at the end of his prime. Like, go out and get somebody for once. And I think when you go out and sign a guy for big money, I feel like that would, like you said, with the Reds, if Mike Brown is really, truly committed to turning this thing around, spend some money, go out and sign like a... I mean, not that this will ever happen in a million years. I mean, think of the pros- the, the idea of what if Mike Brown was like, you know what, screw it. We're not going to draft Joe Burrow. We're going to go out and sign Tom Brady to a five-year, $75 million deal. People would probably go, what the heck is going on in Cincinnati? And that would turn things around. Not that it would ever happen in the history of this entire life, but you get the premise of that. 
Well, keep in mind, the reason that the Bengals need to be aggressive in free agency is because you have a four-year window with Joe Burrow and his rookie contract deal. So now's the time. If you're ever going to rip the cheap Band-Aid off, now needs to be the time because if you could load up the defense uh, and load up the offensive line with the Joe Burrow and his rookie contract when, you're, when he's not taking up a good chunk of your, uh, of, you know, your spending, this is, I mean, Mike Brown has to, Mike Brown can't wait for Joe Burrow to develop. You've got to do it now. That's why, I mean, look at the Chiefs. Look at what the Seahawks did. The Browns, they're wasting time. They're entering year three of the Baker Mayfield run before they have to put all their money into him. So I'm just saying the Bengals have to, dis- they have to rip that cheap Band-Aid off. And why, don't say, oh, can't do it this year because he's only a rookie. Do it this year because he's a rookie and put weapons around him. I, would, I mean, a rookie quarterback with, with, uh, uh, with the obviously, you know, A.J. Green and Boyd and them, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a way to come into the NFL. You're going to be helped a lot further along the way. Go get Philip Rivers for two years and go load up your defense. Yep. And then you can get right, Chase I, Young. <laughs> right. I, I agree with all that. But, I mean, any everyone, you guys know, every Bengals fan knows that Mike Brown will never spend money. He's fine with just bringing in, you know, he's never going to get an A-plus player for several dollars. He's fine with the B-minuses, the C-pluses spending, you know, medium money and hoping that his players, you know, develop. And it's just, it's frustrating that, uh, you know, he just doesn't see the light. All right. Well, hey, good stuff, man. We appreciate the call, Steve. Take care. Thank you. All right. Four, five, seven, nine, four, six, four. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, how if you go out and draft Joe Burrow and you don't make one significant free agent signing, I just, I that's. If you go draft Burrow and you don't improve your offensive line, what are you saying? And there are offensive linemen for agents to go get. You gonna go get this kid? You can't build the whole line through the draft. No. And Kisa, you got three Ohio State guys that you just took in two years apart. Either they gotta develop, or you go get a Tooney or somebody. You got Williams coming in, or hopefully. So you can fix it rather quickly. But if you don't, you're setting this kid up to get. Pounded. Yep, and you're also feeding into the narrative. They're a bad organization. Yep. Only they can do something about it. That's the bottom line. Real quick in our in our closing time here, we'll get into more of this this week with, with UD and stuff. You got to, we didn't get to talk to you last week, you got to attend, you've never attended a UD game until a few weeks ago. Right. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. Yeah, how'd you get behind the bench? Uh, I found some tickets outside the stadium. Found them. They were laying somewhere. <laughs> I called him, I said, wait a minute, that buyer's behind the bench. Yes, I have my first UD basketball game in 56 years of life. I've watched them a lot growing up on Channel 7 as a kid. And then as I got older, you know, I was gone, I was gone to college and lived in Florida for 25 years and just never made it to a hey, UD Bob game. Euchre seats, man. I know. I had great, great seats. I thought they were going to put me in a game. I was sitting right behind the, the UD's bench and uh, I thought they were going to call my name and say, get in there. I got a couple flashbacks. I'm like, wow. I remember this this view. Uh, Obi Tobin is what they say he is. <laughs> you know, he is the real deal and uh, I'm still watching more college basketball now that, you know, the uh, Super Bowl's over with. I haven't seen a player of the year yet other than Obi Tobin. I don't know who's who, who's going to beat him out for player of the year. I mean, I'm starting to watch more and more college basketball. I mean, he's as good as advertised. He is the real deal, you know, and I'm, you love him watching him play. And, uh, I mean, he has, a, well, you know, something I call he's got that dog. They in got that. They got help he last night. Three of the top five went down. That's only going to help his cause. Got 28 points. 
Not bad. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, we have to get a coach. Anthony Grant is doing a fantastic job. Fantastic job, you know, here. Uh, so I can't say enough good things about it. He deserves the credit. And I used to like, always, my biggest criticism is Dayton, recruit more local guys. You know. Well, you can look around <laughs> yeah, and say the same you know, thing. Get more of us. You know, but uh, I'm still, I'm loving it. You know, keep it up. And uh, I wish the AT, 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 A-10 tournament is right around the corner. If they win that, you know, and, and they hands down the number one seed in the big in the big tournament. You know, I think if they win the A ten tournament, because uh, at that time they'd be on a twenty twenty game winning streak. Because they haven't they won they like sixteen or eighteen in a row. They have they're tied for the longest win streak in basketball right now. Yeah, so if they win, they, they go on and win a tournament without any more, you know. Uh, hiccups before the tournament, they're gonna have twenty something wins in a row. They have to be. That'd be like thirty total. Right. Well, they got to be a number one seed into the in the tournament. They, you, they have got to be there. Will they get up to a number, or at least maybe one or not one, but will they get two or three this week? Kansas should be number one. I'm going to guess they would be. Yeah, they knocked off number one Baylor yesterday. Um, yeah, that's going to be UD probably at three. But yeah, you can San Diego State got beat. Gonzaga got beat. Uh, but I don't see Baylor. Ba- but I don't think Baylor is going to drop five or six spots for losing to Kansas. So that's why that might about be three points. To yeah. So I could see, you know, Kansas one. Baylor might even still be two. Uh, no, you got to drop. Them. You got to drop. You got to reward a team like Dayton that's won that, that many games, sixteen games. Yeah, but in if a row. you look at Baylor, you just lost to Kansas. And so while you're playing Kansas, you have UD playing who? It's okay. So, You'll be all right. You, you got to drop some. This is not college football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you got you can recover this week. But, It'll be all right. But this is where I, I mean, and, and again, when you look at this laid out, UD's path to finish is easier than Duke's. Uh, it's easier than everyone else's who's running into top 25 schools every week. So there's no excuse for them not to run the table the rest of the way. Is a winning streak a bad thing at this time of year? I know that sounds kind of dumb, but, like, you look at San Diego State. All right, their winning streak's over. They can hit reset and refocus and move forward. People have asked me. I, I don't know if that's a thing or not, is it? I don't know that you ever find a good loss that takes the pressure off of that winning streak, or the kids can look at it and go, hey, I don't want to lose this one. I don't want to break the streak. Right. See, what, what I'm looking at, look at Ohio State after the new year. They forgot how to win. But I'm like, don't just don't panic now. Don't panic. As long as they get hot by mid to late February, you know, carry that over into March, you know, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And they lost the other night to Iowa. But prior to they won like five in a row. So, okay, so they, they won five out of six. Let's, let's get back on it and gain that momentum. So if you go into the uh, the Big Ten tournament winning seven or eight of your last ten games, you're fine. You're fine. So what that's to be determined. I don't know. They win the Buckeyes. They play today, don't they? No, not today. They play... I gotta go okay, find Thursday. <laughs> but four, five, seven, uh, nine, four, six, four. Wright State got a win yesterday too at Cleveland State. You know, you talked about the the local players. I know it irritates people when I bring this up, but there are three players that Tory Patton, Amari Davis, and Darius Quisenberry. And I don't care if I annoy Coach Brown and everyone else when I bring this up. There is no excuse for why those kids are not playing right here in Dayton uh, because that's at Wright. Or at least said no. I don't want to. Well, play. no, they because here's what happens though. They get offered, right? State recruits them. There's a difference between, like, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of times the teams will they'll offer a kid or they'll go look at a kid just to shut people like me up and say, well, we offered him. Well, okay, I've also talked to a lot of those kids and, and people close to them about what the process was like. And we've even heard from <laughs> Rennie. Remember Rennie about how Tory yeah. Patton was treated? Tory Patton was technically offered by Wright State, but it was kind of like a, hey, what the heck? 
You want to play here? Like, it wasn't like a, hey, we're going to woo you. All those kids want to be wooed, and there's more teams in that conference coming to woo our local kids here than the one here in town. You can't argue with Coach Nagy, though. Won his 500th game yesterday. They're getting to the NCAA tournament. They're getting to the NIT. They're winning the conference every year. It's not that he's doing anything wrong, but, again, it's not like the kids that he has are better than the kids that are playing elsewhere, too. You could be even better. You, you mean to tell me you wouldn't be better with a Darius Quisenberry from Wayne or a Tory Patton from Trotwood, who, by the way, hit the game-winning shot to send him into overtime yesterday? Hey. <laughs> uh, Darius Quisenberry for Wayne dropped 41 on Wright State just you know last week. These kids are pissed that they're not playing at Wright State. There's a reason they play up another level when they play Wright State, because they're pissed that they felt were disrespected mm-hmm. and not treated the way they wanted to be. Can't say Nagy did anything wrong because they're winning. This would be a bigger issue if they weren't winning and you're letting good did players Did UD miss on them too, though? I know because I don't think they're – look at the talent that UD's bringing in. They're not, those players aren't better than the talent that UD's bringing in. Mm-hmm. By the way, the Buckeyes play today at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Maryland. But do you see what I mean? I don't mean that – I didn't mean to argue with you. I just, no, you I'm know just what I mean? curious if Dayton should be getting the same thing, although Dayton's – No, but you're talking – but we're talking over a couple of years. You know, if they have if they if they're stacked at small forward, I understand. Or they're stacked at point guard or two, we understand. But they're not always stacked at those positions, or where that position is available for the local kids that are here. You, you know, and there's always a player of need. I think the local kid here can supply Dayton and Wright State. Mm-hmm. Rather, you need a one, two, three, four, or five. There's something, maybe not so many fives. We don't have that many, you know, fives here in Dayton area. But we have those top three, three to four spots are available. Whereas between Dayton and Wright State, you can sign at least, both of y'all can sign at least one, one at least one kid. And the reason you know, is. So that's two local kids a year ought to be on both these rosters each year. Now, for UD, like, the reason it's such a big deal to me about Wright State is because it's not that they're missing out on those kids. Like, if those kids were going to Iowa and some other Big Ten schools or A-10 schools, I wouldn't even pay attention to it. But you're losing them to your own conference, Slimmer. Like, those kids are still coming into your arena to play every year, <laughs> and you're losing them to your conference. I know what you're saying about UD. I just don't think that they... That's Here's a the question to, to you. Who are the locals that got away replace? Who are the locals get... By the way, you want to talk about from the business Just the well, no, 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 Justin. With uh, but where's our I mean, if that? he was on UD's basketball team, I think he would fit in perfect with this. That's about right. State, I'm assuming, correct? Both, either one. Um, right, Amari Davis, easily. Amari Davis. And by the way, if you're talking about the kids on Wright State are good, but when they're neck and neck with the talent that's local, you go local. The local talent's going to bring you more asses and seats. And then I don't want to hear Wright State fans crying, complaining, oh, no one pays attention to us because all they pay attention to is UD. There's things you could do to get asses and seats at the Nutter Center, and you're not doing it. And UD fans, uh, Wright State fans continue to ignore that and act like I'm dumb for bringing that up when that's not, that's not true at all. There's a business side to this, too. Nagy's done nothing wrong. I'm not saying that because they're winning. I can't, you know, this would be a bigger deal if they weren't winning. But they're winning, so it doesn't matter at this point. But, all right, that wraps it up for us. Keith Byers show tomorrow from noon to 1. Uh, make sure you give him a call. Keith, you're going to be talking about the fight, of course, and A.J. Green. And yeah, what do the Browns and the Bengals need to do this offseason? So there you go. So the Keith Byers show tomorrow from noon to 1. The Kenner and Slummer show from 3 to 6. That's all coming up tomorrow. Until next week, this has been the Sunday Morning Tailgate Show on 1410 ESPN Radio.